You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, good morning. Um, this is a Sunday I'm going to call Vision Sunday. I plan to do this once a year, every year, roughly around this time of the year. We want to celebrate what God has done among us over the previous uh, 12 months that have just gone and look ahead to the next chapter. I think it's really helpful to reflect on the journey that Jesus has us on as a community and as a family. In the Bible in, in Deuteronomy, Moses, just before the people of God are about to enter the promised land, Moses doesn't even get there, but Joshua, his successor, goes into the land, and Moses is sitting on the edge of the promised land. And Deuteronomy really is a book where Moses is he's looking back, he's looking at the season just gone, and he's remembering how they got to where they got, and it's an encouragement for them to rededicate their lives to God. And Moses is saying, this, this is how God got us to this point, and this point, and, and this point. This is, this is what he did. You know, and so often I think we can forget to look back, but it's as we look back that we can have faith and expectancy to look forward and we're able to project and look forward in excitement and faith. So we just want to stop and pause and reflect and give God the glory. We don't want to lose that. We want to celebrate what God has done and to say thank you. I'm going to share and um, share with us a few stories. I can't share them all. But I'd encourage you just this week, yourselves, individually, take time to reflect on the journey we've been on. Take time to reflect on the part of the story that you've played. How has God changed your life? How can you allow him to do more? What a remarkable journey we've been on so far together. In June... 2016, Steph and I were commissioned, we were sent out to plant this church by Trent Vineyard in Nottingham. And a number of people from all over the UK heard the call of God on their lives to join us in doing that. It was a season where for many who felt called to join us, they laid down the comfort and the security of jobs and close friendships, familiar surroundings to step into the unknown. What would it be? What would it look like? A time to hunt for jobs and houses and to make new friends. Many of them faced quite remarkable opposition spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Steph and I, just ourselves, we moved house twice in a year. We had our youngest daughter. We continue even now. We're bivocational. We do two jobs, only able to give two days a week to this church. And we've, we ourselves faced, I would say, a fair amount of opposition. Just as we were looking back to write this talk, we realized since we moved here, as a family, we've been in A&E seven times. You know, the group that came with us slept on each of us' floors initially. They found temporary houses, temporary jobs whilst looking for more permanent ones. Great big. You know, there was no promise of anything. Simply, could they follow all that Jesus was calling them to? And could they follow our leadership? Would they give up everything they knew and enter into a season and a place of serving and preferring others in a new place? We never really talk about any of that because it's not a us and a them thing. We're all in this together. New wine in new wineskins, to slightly stretch the analogy. 
but we asked them from the day that they moved here to drop any previous understanding of collective belonging and to embrace anybody that we met. We've never done it, but I just wanted to say, for the price that you paid, we honour you. We travelled in that season to other churches, learning and getting equipped for all that was ahead. I'll never forget the first three gatherings that we did in a little flat in a first floor in Heaton Moor. Some of you were there. Again, we don't really talk about those days because we never want to create a clique or an in-thing that others don't feel part of. But about 40 of us were crammed into that upper room, passionately worshipping Jesus. What times they were. Who would have known what lay ahead? After those free gatherings, we moved straight to Sunday mornings. It took us quite a while to find a venue centrally in the city that would have us, and we moved to the Rampant Lion. Set up and set down was hard work. We had to completely set down a restaurant, set up our stuff, set down our stuff, and reset up our, their stuff, knives, forks, the lot, in both the adult and the kids' spaces. In that time, I remember being on the phone to one of the trustees saying, if I spend 50 quid on some stuff that we desperately need, we could go bust. What, what, do you, what do you think? You know, those days were a risk. They were full of faith. We built teams to get us going. We asked the group that were there from the start to serve a minimum of three out of four Sundays, week on week, though teams started to grow. People started to get more involved. At each and every stage, we sought to galvanise a group of people that would practically and relevantly love and serve this city. It was still very early days. There was a lot to do, logistics, administration, relationally. Here's a picture of the first ever Sunday that we did. We continued to try and keep our eyes focused on the city. We used small groups as a springboard to get out there and to do whatever we could with the resources that we had. This is a hugely transient city. Many people have and continue to join us from all over the world, living here, working here, studying here, often for quite a short time. Many people joined us and then moved to other parts of the country, other parts of the world for further study or jobs, whatever it might be. For a number of people that joined us at that stage, it wasn't right for them to stay with us. We weren't their spiritual home. We weren't the right fit for them. For others, they were right at the earliest stages of exploring Jesus, and they chose not to go any further on that journey at that stage, at least with us as a community. I think that will always be the case. This isn't about keeping people. This is about discipleship. Those that want to join us for as long as they want to join us are most welcome here. But with limited resources and capacity, we continued to try and create environments where people could gather, people could invite others to get to know each other. We launched a few small groups. Some of you organised further events that people could come and get to know each other. The team continued to invest in the kids. It was never about childcare. It was about creating age-appropriate environments for discipleship. <laughs> 
At the time, we were continuing to seek ways to love and to serve this city. We started to hold welcome dinners, an opportunity just to share why we're here and how people might get more involved. We had our first ever beer and carols and carol service and family gathering. We had to keep making changes to what we did and how we did it. The rampant lion, we kind of were stretching the edges and really started to feel the strain as we grew in that place. We just got a little video that we wanted to show you. It doesn't tell the whole story. It tells some of the story. Some of it I've already covered, but it's from one particular angle. Vineyard Churches recently held their National Leaders Conference, and they wanted to celebrate some of what God is doing among us as a community. The theme for that conference was freedom. They also wanted to stand with us in remembering the devastating impact of the Manchester attacks last May and our response as a church and a desire to love and to serve this city. We've cut the middle bit out where you'll just see the screen goes blank, but it catches a missed snapshot of what went on over the last year. Let's just watch that video. in April 2016 and in that first year we moved house twice, we had a new baby and we went straight to Sunday mornings gathering together with kids work. It was a whirlwind year. It was. I'll never forget the, the first Sunday though. This lady walked in the door, the first person, she came early. As I walked up to her, she burst into tears and I thought, oh no, what, what have we done? And she just said, I've come home, I've found home. I've been looking for a place to call home for 13 years. And it was incredible just to be, we, we came here for the one and we came here to see the one life change. And that was a remarkable start. We then went on this journey with the church of trying to find the next venue. We outgrew the place we were in very quickly. Um, and it was really quite hard considering this is a large city with a lot of options. We tried over a hundred venues and couldn't find anywhere. We got to the point where we had to move and we settled for somewhere that was less than ideal. But we went to the church and said, look, let's have a week of praying, of fasting and see what the Lord wants to do. But let's also take an offering and let's say everything that's given is for the city. We want to love the city, invest in the city. This is not about building the church. And it was remarkable what God did in that week. The church, we were, what, 65, maybe 70 committed adults at that point. They gave £17,000 in that week. The next day, three of the venues that had previously said no called us up and said, would you like to use our venue? One of them is incredible where we are now. And um, it, it was just amazing, the journey, wasn't it, that it opened up an opportunity in the exact area, actually, we'd want to be. It's in the 0.5 most deprived areas in the country, giving us a place to, to kind of call home and start to reach out to the local area. We committed very quickly to the 10,000 homes immediately around that area and said, look, we want to pray for them, we want to try and serve them and invest in them. So we've been gathering together for about eight months and we had a growing group of people with a heart and commitment to loving and serving the city. And we were, we were dreaming together about how we could press in for more and to, to serve and love the, the city better. And then on the night of May the 22nd, 2017, the city as we knew it changed forever. 
I remember just trying to work out as a church, what do we do? How are we going to do this? It seemed there were so many immediate needs. The hospitals needed blood. As soon as that um, plea went out, it was met. The hospitals needed equipment. As soon as that went out, it was met. And we were trying to work out, what do you do as the church in this moment? And somebody in the early hours of the morning in our church contacted us and said, uh, I know somebody with a camper van. Why don't we use that as a mobile base to, to get out into the city? And um, as we explored that, actually, that option didn't work out. But we then contacted a number of hire companies. And this guy, when he realized what we were trying to do, said have have my VW camper van for as long as you like go and use it in whatever way you want to didn't it so we had this van and we felt prompted to take effectively take Manchester Vineyard's living room onto the streets of Manchester so we stocked it full of drinks and sugary snacks and just headed right into the into the heart of the city um, available and hopefully accessible to people to have conversation and just be given um, a little gift um, of hope essentially and we had some amazing conversations fascinating conversations with people even the police were really interested in what we were doing and um, Paul got chatting to one of the sergeants who was so impacted by what we were doing and kind of essentially invited us to continue doing what we were doing because he could see the good that it was doing he gave Paul his number and said bring your van in do it every night I think he said didn't he yeah, bring your van in and if you get any trouble with traffic wardens or any other authorities just get them to give me a call and I'll I'll send them on their way it was it was amazing it was. I remember one story with one guy we met. He'd, he'd had an incredibly difficult upbringing, some real pain in his life. He must have been in his mid-60s, was processing all that happened with the attacks. And I'm chatting with him, chatting with him about Jesus. And he'd lost uh, one of his fingers as a result of setting himself on fire to try and dial down the, the pain or a way of processing the pain that he felt in his life. And I said to the guy, can I, can I pray with you um, about your finger? He didn't want prayer for anything else. And he let me pray with him. I prayed for his finger and um, his finger didn't grow back. But what did happen is this, this moment where the, the love of God, the hope and the freedom that he found in Jesus in that moment was remarkable. He burst into tears and in that moment gave his life to Jesus. So off the back of our response to the attacks and using the, the van in that way, I think we felt this is something we've got to continue. We need to have our own van and not just any van. We really felt certain that if we were going to do this, we wanted to do it well. We wanted to get a good quality van um, that would be relevant. And if we we're going to be putting our living room on the streets, that it would be somewhere that would be inviting and we'd be able to extend hospitality from. It was a huge moment for us, a huge step of faith, because we couldn't go back to the church and ask for money because they'd just given £17,000 to invest in the city. So I remember meeting with a businessman and saying, well, how am I going to do this? And he said, uh, why don't you go back to the church and why don't you ask them to ask their friends, family, people in the city, their colleagues to contribute to what you're doing because this is phenomenal. And so that's exactly what we did. In that moment, he committed to give us a fifth of what we needed. We raised very quickly £15,000, £20,000 for a really good quality van and we now use it regularly we um, stock it once a month to um give resources to uh, that a particular need in the city is child poverty we give resources to the under fives uh, and collect once a month for that and we also go out regularly sending teams out into the city doing various things giveaways healing on the streets we we, we incredibly mobile and responsive to any need that we see and want to get involved in the people in our church have been changed forever as have their friends and family. You don't have to look far to see people personally impacted by what happened. 
Getting out there and responding was the right thing to do, absolutely what we wanted to do. It brought life and we can't wait to see how God is going to use us next. The, the attacks didn't change the vision, but they certainly changed the practical outworking of it. The purpose was the same, the priorities were the same, but the practicalities of how that was worked out and lived out was changed. It was through new expressions of creativity that the Lord led us. Before we moved to this venue, I remember the significance of that offering when you gave £17,000, the choosing to lay our hearts on the city rather than ourselves, to say that this will cost us everything, the sacrifice and then the investment that you made, the impact that that has had way beyond this city. Our posture, I believe, was right. And the Lord opened a door for us. We'd just moved into this building. What a remarkable provision of God it was. Again, it was a stretch. I remember the first time I came here with, with Steph thinking, how, how are we going to afford this? How are we going to do this? It was another huge step of faith. I also, if I'm honest, I quite like the idea of not having to sit down and set up a restaurant or every time I was speaking to hear the hand dryers in the toilets. But, you know, I, I was now looking at sound equipment thinking, I hope somebody's going to know what on earth you do. I, I love it because that's what it's really about, creating space for others, creating space for others to be involved, to come and to put their shoulder to the plough. We could have remained comfortable at the Rampant Lion. I probably don't mean comfortable, actually. We weren't comfortable, but I don't think we were stretched. The move, though, was a stretch in every way. There was a need to increase resources, to shift logistics, to grow teams that were already feeling the stretched. But if you want to stay as you are, you will stay as you are. But if you want to grow... You've got to stretch yourselves. There's a degree of pain in that, but it creates space for others to be part of it. The kids' work multiplied into two age groups. Again, that was a big ask of those teams, but it created space for others to be involved and it enhanced the provision that we were able to give to the kids. Teams overall continued to grow. We continued to try and to give and provide the most loving, accepting and warm welcome we possibly could to anybody that wanted to join us. Honestly, it's quite remarkable how servant-hearted a people you are. Since we moved to this venue, not the full year, but just since we moved here on the 2nd of April last year, you've put out 2,779 chairs. You've served 2,977 drinks. Some people have clearly taken more than one. <laughs> you've invested 560 hours in the lives of those children just on a Sunday. The children's work is currently for children between the ages of 2 and 11. One day we hope that it will grow and we'll be able to cater for a wider age group. To do that requires continual growth for more people to get involved, to get involved in what we're currently doing and to allow some of those that are doing slightly too much to be freed up. But I didn't want to miss the opportunity just to say thank you. Thank you to the kids' team. Thank you for what you've invested, the equivalent of 23 days' worth of time just on a Sunday since we moved to this venue. 
In total, over 3,856 hours have been given by Sunday teams overall. That's 161 days' worth of time. Much of that, over half of that, is given before anybody even arrives to create home and family for others to come and be part of. Some of those hours I've just mentioned, of course, are a slight slightly approximate because you can't work out the exact time when people do leave and arrive but I again didn't want to miss the opportunity to say thank you thank you for putting your shoulder to the plow to love and to serve others to foster environments of welcome to allow people to gather to discover and rediscover Jesus to fall more in love with Jesus since we've moved to this venue alone 17 why Jesus's have been taken. It's hard to measure exactly how many people have been given environments to explore Jesus. But that would be just one on a Sunday. When we were smaller, it was a lot easier to tell. I could just myself work out everybody in the room who was exploring Jesus. Yet there's many stories of people growing in their relationship with him. We've had the privilege of baptising a few people. I just wanted to tell you one story, though, where one of you invited somebody to join us. In the first few weeks of them being with us, they gave their life to Jesus. They then went on to invite somebody else who then also gave their life to Jesus. Isn't that remarkable? The power of inviting somebody, in that case, inviting them on a Sunday or to small group. But don't you love it? The multiplication that happens in the kingdom when we have a give it away mentality. It's why we did the fireworks event. Wasn't that just an unbelievable event? Doing an event as well as you could in that season, inviting as many people as we possibly could, and wasn't it unbelievable? Caught us slightly off guard how many people came. It's why we did beer and carols. It's why we did the carol service. Incredible boldness in inviting people. One guy came to that carol service and he said, I've never been invited to anything like this before. Can I come again? Can I join one of those small group things? And can I do that thing called Alpha? Yes, 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 you can. You know, through this whole time, we were continuing to seek to be as compassionate as we could in any and every way that we could. We committed, as we mentioned in the video, to the 10,000 homes around us. We were committed to praying for them, posting a card through each door, a symbolic way of saying, we're praying for you. We committed to 10 people individually, the 10 houses or neighbours or colleagues or friends, whoever that might be, to seek ways and opportunities to say to them that we love them and to practically show them Jesus and find ways either with them or on our own to pray for them. We've seen a number of people join us as a result of that. Conversations have been had, people have been prayed for, Jesus has been shared. I shared about the van, I think, at our first birthday service, the gathering back at the end of September last year, the journey of getting the van. And then on that birthday service, we launched the van. Now we use it once a month. We fill it with stuff to distribute to those in need in the city. Steph mentioned in the video that we wanted to do it well. I saw this one for sale just before we bought it. Um, <laughs> that was never going to happen, just so you know. But, you know, we now use it much more widely to place the living room of the church, to 
to love, to bring hope, the hospitality of the church on the streets of the city. It's not, it's not a ministry. It's a tool. The potential opportunities and ways that we can use it, the creativity, are really quite endless. Since September, we've started to fill that van to support local charities and families, particularly of the children under the age of five. Child poverty is a huge need in this city. Some members of this church are now on the advisory board for the local big life children's centres and nurseries and connecting with other nurseries, schools and health organisations who work particularly in this area, working amongst those facing child poverty. You've been incredibly generous. We've had so many donations of books and bath equipment and bottles and baby carriers and all sorts. In addition, just since September, bearing in mind we didn't meet over Christmas, you've given 60 portions of baby food, over 1,000 nappies, over 50 packs of wipes, 113 items of nearly new clothing, 13 pairs of shoes, numerous items of furniture for newly housed mums, a tumble dryer, a fridge freezer, sets of dining tables and chairs. Over Christmas, we did the pop-up shop. You gave over 500 items, books, puzzles, games, all sorts of toys. You were so generous, not only did we do the pop-up shop, we also gave to the local children's centre some of the surplus. Can I just pause and remind us, we're a church plant. I just wanted to pause and remind us that we would realise where we've come from and where we're up to. We're a church plant. We took a break in August. We said, let's not meet over the Sundays. The funny thing is, even when we tried to not meet, we met twice with a barbecue and a picnic. But this is more than a, just a Sundays thing. We're in the earliest stages of development. We wanted to give people a break. This is a marathon, not a sprint. But praise God for the many things, the many stories, the many lives changed and impacted but we're a church plant. We can't do everything. At times, there is a desire for more. Why aren't we having small groups all over the city? I have to remind myself, because we're a church plant. Why isn't the provision on a Sunday for the under twos? I have to remind myself, because we're a church plant. We're trying to do all we can with all we can. But I just wanted to press pause and acknowledge that and celebrate all that God has done, to not wish this season away. The season where often it's felt risky, it's felt faith-filled, it's felt spirit-led. Would we always stay there? Would that be the place that we remain, even though at times it's hard? Because I think there's a tension between being an army and a hospital. The hospital isn't fully established, and yet we're still forging ahead with an army. We're establishing a bridgehead, a growing and facilitating something in this city and building a structure for growth. I'm not saying, I hope I'm not saying, that we lack vision for the days ahead, but sometimes, just myself, I have to temper my own expectations. I'd encourage us not to be a people that look out for the problems, but people that look for the positives. I don't want to look at what isn't. I want to look at what is. C.S. Lewis once said, it's remarkable how day-to-day -day nothing changes. But when you look back, nothing is the same. 
We don't have uh, AGM, but if we did, this would be it. And um, with that in mind, I just want to give you a brief financial update. We don't have a PCC, thank goodness. Um, Steph and I lead the church. We work in a team. The Vineyard is an Episcopal movement. We're accountable, therefore, to an area leader. We have numerous mechanisms of oversight and accountability. I'm very grateful to the trustees of this church for their due diligence. I'm very grateful for the many, many, many voluntary hours of a small people, uh, it's not small people, small group of people that give to serve the finances of this church behind the scenes. In so many ways, 2017 was actually quite unusual. Firstly, because it was our first year. Secondly, because we had the For the City offering and many donations that came in for the van. And I think that's worth bearing in mind when we look at the finances. But I want to update us from the start, not just 2017, but also throwing in that part of 2016, because I didn't get the chance to do this beforehand. So for clarity, this is right from when we started up until the end of 2017. Giving came in in numerous ways. £89,000 came in through regular giving. £26,000 came in through one-off gifts. Predominantly, that was from people outside of this church who have seen what we're doing and have backed the vision. £25,000 came in through restricted giving. This is where money is given for a specific project for both the van or for the city. Not everything that was given for those was restricted. But we're grateful to those of you that do give and when you do give that are able to fill in gift aid forms. We reclaimed last year £15,000. If you haven't, can I encourage you to fill one of those in? For every pound that is given, an extra 25p can be reclaimed. If everybody that has given filled in a gift aid form, we could currently reclaim a further £11,000, which is a staggering amount of money. There's a number of things that would explain some of that process on the seats and forms in the, on the seats or in the welcome area to be able to do that. But overall, the income for that part of 2016 and all of last year was £155,000. Let's just look at the, the outgoings. Again, this is slightly unusual. It was our first year. As a charity, we're required, but regardless of that, actually, we'd want to just out of um, wise financial planning to build our reserves. We have operating costs, we have contracts with a number of things, including this building, that if our giving shrank, we would still need to be able to cover. So we built our reserves from nothing to where we needed them to be, which accounted for 27% of last year. Admin accounted for 6%. We had start-up costs to set ourselves up as a charity and a church amounting to 5%. 47% was spent directly on ministry, doing the stuff that we believe we're called to do. I would suggest that we will see over the coming years a significant increase in that amount. We've committed to giving 15% of everything that comes in away. We want to give to love and to serve this city to things that don't directly benefit ourselves as a church in line with the vision that we have to love Manchester. I'm delighted to say that we have given 15%. 
This 15% though only covers unrestricted giving and so I'm delighted to say that we've actually given significantly more than that through our restricted giving for For the City and the Living Room projects. When that's factored in since we've started, we've actually given away over 25% of incoming resources to things that don't directly benefit ourselves as a church. You are an incredibly generous people. We worked out that at one point, this figure's probably changed slightly to now, but per seat put out on a Sunday, if you take into account all of the associated costs, it's the equivalent of £7 per chair per person per week. Not that it's ever a Sunday's thing, but it just gives you a slight insight. What I'd like to do is also show you our current regular giving against our forecast and projected budget for 2018. Um, as you'll see, I think we're running a fairly tight ship. Giving needs to grow just to cover, cover our current commitments. We do have a budget of faith. We pray that the Lord would increase current giving and um, for the many plans and the things that we do have, many of which actually are beyond the scope of sharing today. Many of them are not even in that projected budget, things that we could do if finances do grow. Much of what we do and much of what we could do is released through the generosity of people in this church partnering with us to fulfil the vision. I just want to thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity to facilitate all that has been and all that could be. It's still early days. We're a church plant ourselves. We're still establishing that bridgehead. As a vineyard movement over the last year and a half, two years, we've planted 11 churches and a few sites. What a privilege and a joy it has been for us to be part of contributing and serving and supporting many of those that have gone. That investment, I would say, has certainly come as a cost to this church, to our time and to our focus, but surely that's the people that we want to be. We're part of a wider family and we have a give it away, give it away, give it away attitude. One of you said this to me recently. I started coming to Manchester Vineyard in September. I tried numerous churches and again, as soon as I walked into Manchester Vineyard, I just felt a warmth. I felt like it was home. It was as simple as that. I just knew that God wanted me here. Everyone is loving, welcoming and authentic and just wanted to follow Jesus and have a relationship with him, which is really what it's all about. I love the outreach side of Manchester Vineyard. How as a church, it sees the importance of actually stepping into people's circumstances and bringing Jesus to them. Surely that's the whole point, being more like him. Anyway, I'm aware that I'm new, but I feel so loved in this church and I can't wait to get to know more people here and learn more about our awesome God. Another of you said to me when I first joined Manchester Vineyard I really felt like I'd come home. Not only did I find all of the great things that I would say would make a vineyard, vineyard, intimate worship, passion for Jesus with compassion for the vineyard, so with compassion for the city that we live in and sound theology, but I also found myself in a church full of faith, bold and courageous, that pushed the boat out and was prepared to reach beyond the four walls of where we meet every Sunday. 
I could tell many more stories. I wish I had time for them. I wish we had time for many of the people who've shared them to tell them in person. I've had to cut a number of them down and cut a number of them out. If I shared every story, which actually I couldn't do anyway, because I only know a few of them, but we'd be here for hours. What we love is that organically, within the values of who we are and what we're about, God is gathering together a group of people to love Jesus and love Manchester together as a family within the unique distinctives of being a vineyard church. To understand where we're going, we need to understand where we've been. To God be the glory for great things he has done. So where, where are we going? Firstly, wouldn't, wouldn't you say more of the same? Let me say just a few general things. Both the fireworks and the carol service alone. Look at the journey we've been on. To look at the first year to the second year. Amazing. And time to panic. <laughs> no, not really. It's time to dream. But we also we wanted to follow through on what we've committed to. We're not going to stop our relentless pursuit of serving this city. Our links with the Children's Centre is now expanding. We're currently exploring opportunities to work with other local groups and support mothers who have recently experienced domestic violence. We envisage many more of you getting involved with that over the coming year. Stuff is currently being stored all over the place in people's garages, which in itself is going to need to expand and we're going to need to see an increased provision in that area. We're working with the Dean's Trust, this school that we meet in, on how we could help support some of their students who are experiencing poverty, in particular food poverty. The, the need is really heartbreaking. We'll share more of that in the coming days. Further to that, we committed to the 10,000 homes around this area. That job isn't done. And even when it is, we're committed to this area. The Lord has placed us here, and all the time that he places us here, we're going to give it everything we've got. This area has huge needs, devastating child poverty, among many others. I think in many ways we slightly eased off the 10,000 homes, particularly as the nights drew in, but we intend to follow through with that commitment that we believe the Lord has embedded and has confirmed is embedded on us. It's more than delivering leaflets, it's praying, it's sowing, it's understanding the area and so, so much more. I was recently chatting with a guy out on the streets and he buys Silic Bang, you know, the, the cleaning product, and he sprays it on thin sheets of paper, on Rizzlers, and he dries it and smokes it because in it, it has the properties the same as a few drugs that have a pain-numbing response to hit his body. You know, when he, when he told me that, I was devastated. For us to act and to respond to the needs of the city, I think our hearts need to break in love and compassion for the people and the places. When those Manchester attacks happened, a few people said this, this was no longer the city I've moved to, this is the city that has adopted me as its own. For us to be a community that seeks to shape the culture of this city one life at a time 
It may seem a dream too big, but it starts one life at a time as we step out and we act and we respond with the feet and the hands of Jesus. Can I just show us a graph of the age groups of this city? If we just look for a moment at the 18s to 30s, it's partly the size of the universities that make it that way. But wouldn't you say the church needs to be alive and active in this city? You don't need to be in that age group to let it stir your heart. We've always said that we believe we have a specific focus on reaching the emerging generation. They need mothers and fathers, and we need to realise we're sons and daughters. The church should not be a place that is limited by the age ranges of those present. I can't relate to you because you're older or you're younger. I don't, I don't think it works like that. We're a family and we're a community that should be distinct from anything else offered by anyone else because we're the people of God living in the presence of God. I'm not in the age range shown on that graph, but it doesn't mean that I can't be passionate about reaching them and remaining relevant to that age group. So that's where we are. Where, where are we going? We believe the Lord is saying to us, this is a season of invitation. We want to see a culture of invitation multiply among us. Firstly to you, you are invited to be part of this. Will you RSVP? All you've seen, all we've been, is as a result of people putting their shoulder to the plough and the Lord blessing and establishing the work of, your, of their hands. Will you choose to be part of this church community and all that we believe the Lord wants to do with us in the days ahead? Not just people going through the motions, not just a nominal faith or a nominal commitment, but both feet in. I heard it said in a conversation with a student, but I think this could apply to anybody in any life stage. What's the plan when you graduate? A student's answer to the question usually involves jobs and money. Their answer hardly ever involves location or a church community. It's not on the radar. When I ask more directly, people say, I could go anywhere, anywhere that the job is. I guess I'll find a church there too. But the Bible is full of people that are committed to a city or a region or a certain church community. God works through geography. Why not ask God where he wants you and with which church and trust him to provide the job when you get there? My question to us is, are you a guest or are you a host? Will you join in with all that God is doing here? Will you be a host? Will you join a team? Will you give a portion of your income regularly? We aren't centrally funded. All we're doing and all that we long to do in the days ahead is a result of the generosity of the people in this church. Will you come regularly on a Sunday? This is a, this is a family gathering. The culture around us is so fluid and so non-committal, but I don't believe that's what the community of faith, what the church should look like. Will you join a small group? We don't have small groups because they're just a good idea, although I do think they're a good idea. We long to have small groups that you just can't stay away from. 
people that are committed to relationship, to strengthening and to sharpening each other, not just when it's easy, not just when we get something out of it, but from a place of honesty, a place of vulnerability, a commitment to each other and each other's discipleship, to love and prefer others over our own needs, a place to belong, a family to journey through life together with. This year, as we have more capacity than last year, that's what we're going to press on. And I think we're already starting to see it happen. You'll have noticed a number of events have started popping up, environments where we can start to build family and community together. I'd encourage us to join in, to be part of that. The invitation really is to develop relationship with each other. It's not just something that is led it's an invitation to grab hold of relationship with both hands. It's so easy, I think. I often find it myself, it's so easy to not feel part of it. Can I say, choose to be part of it? If I said, why don't you put your hands up if you weren't in this church 18 months ago, every hand would go up because we didn't exist. We're all in the same position together. It takes time and we have to commit to working at it. So who don't you know? Who could you get to know? Who could you have over for a meal? How could you make it a regular thing to invite somebody over? Who would you do Sunday lunch with? Who can you get to know? It's not an age thing. It's not a stage thing. It's a family thing. Who can you draw in? I love hearing the stories of the little things popping up all over the place. People playing badminton or catching up for coffee or even playing chess together. That's a throwaway one. If, if you're thinking, well, well, I'm not, invitation. As I said earlier, I'd, I'd encourage us not to look for the problems, but look for the positives. Don't look at what isn't. Look at what is and what could be. Because you can't program it, you can't buy it, you can't fake it. We need to be relationally driven. This isn't about programs or policies. This is about people. And to be involved in that level, you've got to RSVP to the invitation. We long to see a community mentality naturally emerge among us. I think it already is, but we need to intentionally foster it as a core value, and it takes time. Doing this thing as we are together has meant many people, in a number of ways, are quite busy, and it takes time to foster Relationship, one of the primary places I believe that's cultivated is in a small group where you find people to have a regular commitment to each other, sharing life together, and then a springboard in which to serve the city. I honestly couldn't recommend them more highly, but equally because this church body needs you to play your part, to give your heart for it to be all that it could be. The creativity and the innovation that is on you is phenomenal for you to live out the purposes of God in your life in this generation. The second thing that we really long for to develop is a culture of invitation to others. You know, it's why we're doing th these events. It's not just for us. It's for them to invite others to come and be part of what we've come to see and to know. Who will you invite? People need steps towards Jesus? Can you invite somebody to the man brunch, to the women's art morning? Who could you invite to do Alpha? How many times do you hear people say, I came because I was invited? 
I came because somebody invited me a few times. Lord, we're praying that a culture of invitation develops among us. Of course, there's so much more that we could say. We don't really have time for it today. But another thing we're longing for is to see prayer increase. I'll talk about it slightly more in the coming weeks because we're going to press on it this year particularly. But the third and the final thing that I wanted to mention is we came here with a heart to love Jesus and to love Manchester. I believe the more you fall in love with Jesus, you can't not love his people with a compassionate response. And so it's, I think it's really quite simple. Our desire this year is that you individually would take active steps towards falling more in love with Jesus. That he would be the potter and you would be the clay. That he would mould you and he would shape you in his loving arms that you would be all that you could be. And that that way you will thrive. We will thrive as a family this year as you join us on that journey. I'm going to share more about that next week. But why don't we stand? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Thank you.